Blog Talk Radio. Glamour, fear less. Diabetes late night. Said I'd be gone by five. But it's sunrise and I'm still in your bed. Good night usually means goodbye. Me replaying memories in my head. Look at you, look at you, look what you made me do. How do you, how do you figure my every move? Who are you, who are you? You look so familiar. I know you, I know you, baby, I know the truth. We got way too much in common. Alicia Keys, Makeup Free Movement is inspiring us to take a fresh look at our diabetes health in the new year. Alicia posed Makeup Free on the cover of her new album, Here, and she's also appeared Makeup Free on The Voice week after week, and she launched her, this campaign stating that women's individuality is being lost behind those foundations and mascaras. She said she no longer wants to cover up her face, her mind, her soul, her thoughts, her dreams, her struggles, or her emotional growth. Are you in, interested in making a clean, fresh start and pulling back the, the makeup and the foundation and revealing your truth south in 2017? Well, you're not alone because if you're an estimated 40% of Americans make New Year's resolutions, most of those are to, uh, in self-improvement. By comparison, that's about one-third of the Americans who watch the Super Bowl. Now, for all those good intentions, only a tiny fraction of us seem to keep to our resolution. And according to the University of Scranton, uh, suggests that about 8% people actually achieve their New Year's goal. Yikes. I guess I should reveal right now that my resolution for 2017 is to run the New York City Marathon. And I'll be training all year for November in order to make that goal. So stay with me every month and send me some encouragement through our Divabetic Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr pages. Now, why do people fail at goal setting? What are the secrets behind those who succeed? I'll be talking to America's number one weight loss expert and best-selling author, Dr. Lori Shemek, coming up in this hour. Plus, we're going to speak to Marianne Hordorowitz who is a certified diabetes educator and registered dietitian about President-elect Donald Trump's potential reforms and provisions to the Affordable Health Act, which is always called Obamacare in my book. And we'll find out what that catchphrase, eating clean, really means and how it might impact your diabetes health. 
plus the Charlie's Angels of Outreach and Mama Rosemarie will be joining us. And tonight, we're giving away six months of free access to My Sugar Pro in our Instant Winner Challenge. According to Health line.com the my sugar app tracks everything you need in one place from your meals to your moods it also helps you create monthly reports to share with your doctors plus using your inputs throughout the month this app will help estimate your next a1c reading so you can be prepared for your next doctor's visit we're all about being proactive uh, you'll find out at the end of the show who's our lucky winner in our instant winner challenge. Now, take a minute to follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and donate to Diva Bedic at divabedic.org. Your tax-deductible contributions are greatly appreciated. January's Diva Bedic inspiration, Alicia Keys' first studio album, Songs in A Minor, debuted in 2001 and hit the Billboard charts at number one. She went on to sell 12 million copies worldwide. Here's another song from her album here entitled Girl Won't Can't Be Herself. Let's listen. In the morning from the minute that I wake up What if I don't want to put on all that makeup Who says I must conceal what I'm made of Maybe I'll just be believe covering my self-esteem Whose job is it to straighten up my curves I'm so tired of that image, that's my word What if today I don't feel like putting Welcome back to Diaries Late Night. That's musical inspiration from Alicia Keys, and I'm your host, Mr. Divabetic. Tonight we're taking a fresh, clean-faced approach to the new year. You know, studies show that announcing your goals to others may, may make you less likely to accomplish them. The sense of satisfaction to get, to, to get from publicizing your intentions, such as losing weight, may in fact give you the premature sense of completion. I wonder how my what my first guest thinks about that, and especially since Oprah Winfrey was so candid about wanting to lose weight last year going on Weight Watchers, and recently she announced that she actually lost 40 uh, pounds. So interesting to see uh, what she has to say, America's number one fat loss expert and author of How to Fight Fat Flammation is with us now. Please welcome back to the show Dr. Lori Shemek. Hi, Dr. Lori. Hi, Max. Thank you for having me back. I'm I'm amped to have you back because, you know, the new year always means resolutions to me. And, uh, you know, as well as a lot of our listeners out there, we're always trying to – it seems like we're perpetually trying to improve ourselves. (laughs) Well, it's the truth. And, you know, when people make resolutions or intentions, only about 8% of us actually follow through and keep them. So you can see it's really it's a it's all about fading fast, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It seems like uh the best intentions just don't go don't even a lot of people don't, if you go to the gym don't even make it through the month of January before they're back right. into their old habit. I know there's a big like right. mind body connection here with goal setting too because especially around weight loss, you really have to be um connected, don't you? You do, and it's really, uh, in my opinion, it is more about your mindset than it is anything else. It's about making sure that you take care of that foundational aspect first before even taking action, okay? So when you, you know, it's easy to make, uh, to, it's easy to make your resolutions or intentions, motivation, 
it's not lacking there, right? But the motivation tends to lose its luster as we go. And so when you uh, take the time to get yourself into a, in a mindset that you know that your motivation is going to fade at some point, so when you're prepared for it, then you're going to be successful. So what happens when we start losing that motivation to go to the gym or we start losing that motivation to really care about what we're eating? What you do is you go back to your why. And I write about this in my book a lot because I think it's very important. Your why is crucial to your success. When you revisit how you felt when you initially made that that intention or that resolution, that's the key. When you attach that emotion to why you wanted to lose weight, then you've got it. Don't let it go. Keep it with you all the time, especially as you go down the road. But you know, that's an interesting concept because I know a lot of people, and we have a couple case scenarios to give you tonight a little bit later on, but I know a lot of people uh, want to lose weight because they want to get in a re- relationship. They think that the weight loss, the weight is kind of a barrier between um, themselves and, and their soulmate. And so when they lose the weight and they're, they haven't found anyone, it seems to come, they seem to gain it back. Right. That's a very important point you make because when you ask yourself, why did I want to lose weight? It's it's really more, it's deeper than just that five, you know, that five or six or eight uh, size dress. It's a lot deeper than that. It's about maybe it's going to give me more confidence to meet that soulmate or I'm going to feel better about who I am as a person out there in the world. It's It's different for everybody. But you have to keep asking yourself why, 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 dig a little deeper each time, and eventually you'll come up with a true core reason. It's aesthetic, but there is something deeper than that All right, that's so going on. My, like you said, if a, I just want to ask you, so you said like a, a maybe not a great why is I want to, I want to go down to a size 8. How would you mm-hmm. reshape that? How would you reframe that for me into a better why? A better why is why and what makes you uh, want that size 8 dress. Well, because uh, I want to be I'm going to my high thinner. school reunion and I, I want right. to look great. And that's exactly right. So, and you, and you go, well, why do you want to do that? Why do you want to reduce for that reunion? It's more confidence about who you are, that you've changed. You're another, you're um, more effective as a person out there socially you look different maybe you weren't that person back then uh there are various reasons for why people want to lose weight but it's very important to always visit that why when you're losing motivation and another uh issue that people don't realize is very important is our thoughts our thoughts dictate our actions and so it's really important that uh, we make sure that the thoughts that we think are taking us down the right path, okay? Because those thoughts really do determine the action that uh, we take in our lives, whether positive or negative. So once you change your perspective and really look at your life differently, not the same way you've been looking at your life, uh, you'll take different actions. So in that that is part of going to your why, okay? Very important. In order 
to change your behavior, you need to ask yourself why. And when we ask ourselves questions, the answer will always come, okay? And you need to trust yourself. This is a very important component to losing weight and keeping it off. You, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting that a lot of times people really give up because they don't have the confidence that they can pull it off. They really don't. So they, they start out, they mess up, and then the first thing they do is say, see, I was right. I can't do it. So if you stop worrying about your behavior so much, I know it sounds like uh, it sounds like an oxymoron, but if you stop worrying about your behavior and focus more on your self-trust that you really will do this, research shows that you will uh, follow through because once you pick up, once you uh, pick that one action, for example, and you'll see for yourself and you're successful, you'll see for yourself that you really can do it. And we all know this, but it's, no, no, but it's really about, it's really about trust, you know, being, being consistent with that self-trust. All right. Well, we're all about diva. So uh, Corey, I just want to know what your feeling is on, uh, based on that around the uh, impact of celebrities, because Kirstie Alley, uh, Valerie Bernelli, her, famous and Oprah Winfrey are famous losers but they're also famous gainers you know Mm -hmm. so at the beginning of the uh, top of the show I mentioned how um, some people think you shouldn't admit your health goals out loud that you should write them down and and you know if you admit them uh, this the researchers found that that kind of gives you a false sense of accomplishment and you don't complete the goal I'm just wondering when you see these women and men who've lost weight and then gained it back because so many people do um, mm-hmm. does that does that actually help me in sabotaging myself or you know is there something I should learn from that because it, it seems like we the media perpetuates this and we have like this love-hate relationship with these people. It either makes me feel better about myself or it seems like, you know, it's, I'm putting them down to get, feel better, I guess is what I'm asking. Well, you know, it's really what you want to do is, is understand that when you speak out loud to anybody that you're going to do this specific goal, then that's called accountability. You are then held accountable. And in my experience with my clients and my readers, etc., I have found that, that that is true, that accountability leads to much success. And it can be as simple as writing it down, writing your goal down. So when, you know, that, that might be, I think I saw that study, and I think it was a relatively small study, um, it may not hold true. Uh, completely. It may be for some people, but for for the majority that I've encountered, when you tell somebody that you're going to do something, it tends to to be a positive step. Okay, and then what do you think about Oprah? She came out, you know, she made this big statement about losing 40 pounds, and she said it wasn't about the food, it was how she was using the food. Well, you know, it's it really is about the food <laughs> in the end. You know, it's all about the food, really. That's why we have to use behavioral techniques and, and create that, that foundation of uh, a proper mindset before even thinking about delving into the different types of food you're going to be eating or less of the food, for example. But so, you know, I would say that – you know, when you look at people like Oprah Winfrey, she has lost weight, but she also has a stake in that claim, if you know what I mean. And, 
you know, it's it's interesting that people, as you mentioned, do lose weight and they gain it. The key is to keep it off. And the one way to do that is to really eat an anti-inflammatory diet, really eat a diet that uh, pr- prevents inflammation within the fat cell itself. So that's a way to keep it off long term. The up and down is very typical of a lot of people you know, when they're trying to lose weight. And I commend anybody who loses any, whether it's one pound or 40 pounds, because it's weight. And if anyone's held, for example, a three-pound weight, you know how heavy that is. So imagine how heavy 40 pounds can be. It's a lot. No, I, I have to, it is a lot. It can be life-changing. And I know it, it right. takes a very little, a very little to, you know, um, percentage of body weight loss um, and overall weight loss, like 5 to 10% for you to start seeing some Im- immense changes in your overall health and specifically around your diabetes health with your uh, blood pressure. And we'll be talking to uh, Marianne right. Hordewitz later on about this, as well as our uh, Charlie's Angels of Outreach, Patricia Addy Gentle, about more how uh, New Year's resolutions and weight loss can impact your diabetes health. I'm just curious because we did get a we we announced today you were going to be on the show and we got a, a quick message from someone on our Divabetic Facebook page. So um, her name is Sandy. She's from Mesa, Arizona. Hello, Sandy. Um, Hi, Sandy. She noted that my weight has never been a problem until I was married. With each pregnancy, I gained a staggering amount of weight, 75 pounds with my first, around 45 with my second, and a crazy 100 pounds with my third pregnancy. I never seem to be able to completely lose the weight afterwards. Um, I just lost where it was because I was so interested in her story. And uh, I never, I never um, seem to be able to lose weight completely afterwards. And like many women, I'm still calling it baby weight long after the babies have grown into teenagers. Um, I'm, I'm finding it more and more difficult as I get older to lose weight. What can I do? Well, that's a a really great question, and unfortunately, there are very few times in our life where we actually gain more fat cells, and pregnancy is one of them. So, yes, you've had your your fair share of new fat cells, haven't you, Sandy? So what one thing that I think is very important that people need to do is just take stock of, you know, the types of foods you're eating, how much water you're drinking. Water boosts your metabolism. Uh, research shows that those who lose 50 pounds or more and keep it off, drink, water every day consistently throughout the day and i recommend a minimum of half your body weight in ounces of water a day so if you drink uh so if you weigh for example uh 200 pounds and 100 ounces of water a day and that will come down as you lose weight and so um You want to take stock of the stress in your life. You want to make sure you get sleep. Both of those things trigger the fat storage hormone, cortisol, and, uh, of course, the types of food you're eating. All of these things are in my book. I have, uh, you know, uh, special uh, diets, uh, a diet for people who have trouble losing weight and uh, that are struggling with their weight. Also, it's very important to mention that any type of resistance training is going to be your very best friend. Make sure you do it three to four times a week and don't lift tiny little weights. Lift enough weight 
where it's a challenge for you. Women tend to be fearful of gaining muscle, and that's not going to happen. It's just going to tone you. But this is the thing. The more muscle you have, the higher your metabolism, and it stays high for 24 hours later. So it's really a great method for people who have stubborn weight that doesn't come off, such as belly fat or what you've been experiencing, Sandy. I love to challenge women to pick up weights that are at least as heavy as their purse. Right, at least. Because most women lug around a a (laughs) 10-pound bag, right, but then they go to work out and they're in their sweat clothes and and they pick up the two-pound weights. Right. That's a so great, imagine great if you just had two point. Gucci yeah. bags, Dr. Laura. You right. would be the perfect poster woman for this. I could see well, you I would love Gucci to do that. Bags, yeah, having a great time at the Give gym. Give me those Gucci bags. I want to be a part of that it. photo, too. Yeah. Well, you, well, you had a that. huge milestone at the end of 2016 because your book, How to Fight Fat Flammation, uh, did so well on Amazon. It was number one in the weight loss category? It was, and it was very exciting. Yeah. to you. Thank you. Yes, it was number one in weight loss and all sorts of other categories. <laughs> Thank well, you very you know, much. We, yeah, we love having you on the show and talking about that. Like, and, uh, before we go, I just because I, yeah. this is really important. This year at Divabetic, we're really embracing the holidays. For the last ten years of outreach, I've noticed how more and more people with diagnosis, they're newly diagnosed or they've been living with diabetes for quite a while, seem to kind of defer the holidays or want to stay away from them because there's such, um, you know, indulgences. There's so many temptations out there. What's your advice about that? Um, as far as um, staying away from temptations? You know, the walking into the fire because, you know, we just mm-hmm. got through some of the major holidays, Thanksgiving, um, Christmas, and New Year's, but we're coming up to Super Bowl, which is a big one, then Valentine's Day, and then St. Patrick's Day. Right. So you want to make sure that your blood sugar is balanced, obviously, and that's a very key point because when you have the blood sugar swings, you go right for the carbs, okay? You go right for the food to bring that blood sugar level back up. And uh, so if you're going to any social gathering, make sure your blood sugar is stable and you're eating 20 to 30 minutes before you go a uh, healthy fat and a uh, protein. Okay, so you want to do that, and uh, you want to make sure, as I mentioned, that you're hydrated. Also, uh, make sure that when you look at supplements, that you're taking supplements that are going to help uh, stop the carbohydrate and sugar cravings. One I highly recommend is chromium picolinate. It's a very effective uh, Uh, tiny little supplement, very inexpensive, but works powerfully. It stops hunger, not hunger, it stops cravings within three days, especially for sugar, okay? So if you're struggling with that, make sure you take one of those every day and check with your doctor if you have any health conditions. I was going to say, check with your doctor before you look at Mm -hmm. any of those supplements and see if they're going to work with your regimen. But always um, wonderful to have you on the show. Thank you for helping us kick off 2017. Um, Thank you. Happy New Year to everybody. Thank you. And our diva inspiration, Alicia Keys, started playing piano at the age of seven, and she majored in choir by the age of 14. Here, Dr. Lori, is another sample of one of her songs from that album here, Blended Families, off her new album, courtesy of Sony Music.
how do you actually, you know, these, these pharmaceutical companies have so much clout in D.C. and everywhere else. I'm just curious if there ever, if you really think that would ever come to fruition. You know what, in, in my opinion, Max, again, this is totally my opinion because I'm yeah. a news junkie. you talked about this before. I work out of my home as a consultant, and I have CNN on and all these other news stations on all day long. What I hear through the grapevine is that how he's going to make this happen, and I still have all kinds of good things to share with your audience, how he'll make that happen is, is promising financial rewards to the pharmaceutical companies. Meaning that, hey, if, if you produce a generic insulin and take your branded insulin off a patent and make it generic, um, you know, you'll save all these taxes for your company at the end of the year. We'll give you tax incentives to do that. Because you know what? Um, money talks. And big corporations, uh, they can pay a lot of money in taxes. And if they're being told that they're going to get tax and financial incentives, to uh, produce a generic insulin, they're going to be all ears. I love that. Okay, let's let's keep going. This is great stuff. I appreciate yeah, that follow-up. Yeah, and uh, another thing that I'm really excited about, we keep hearing about the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, repeal, replace, repeal, and delay. But what Mr. Trump has said numerous times is that he wants to amend the Affordable Care Act, and that's different from a total repeal. And in that amendment, he's saying that people with pre-existing conditions will not be barred from getting health insurance, that children at 26 or younger can still stay on their parents' plan. So I want our audience to think about uh, positive, good amendments to the law, and maybe they're going to call it Trump care, rather than a total um, uh, obliteration of the law. I think, I think that's really important. Um, his timeline for doing this is kind of unclear. Um, the other thing I want the audience to know is that in January right now, there's till January 15th, people have time to sign up for one of the exchanges under Obamacare. And there have been, there's been a huge increase in the number of people who have signed up this year, starting with the new year. Uh, than there was last year. Over 50,000 more people this year have signed up in this first few days of January than they did last January. So they're actually signing up in bigger numbers, and that's really good. I feel like they don't know what's going on because, I mean, I, I love that, but, you know, I heard that the vast majority of people on Obamacare voted for Trump. But they actually liked their, they liked their health plan, and it has saved so much money across the board at hospitals and, and um, less visits to the emergency room. But it seems funny to me that if you were enjoying the benefits of Obamacare, that you voted for Trump. And I feel like some of these people right now that you're talking about are nervous about what could happen. Uh, that you know they're jumping over, you know they're jumping on board now. Yeah, you know what, um, Max, and, and to your audience, I, I feel like the audience is right here with me, even though we're, we're miles apart here on the phone. Um, what I have heard on all from the talking heads on all the shows I watch, and I watch the Republican bench shows and the Democratic bench shows, so I get kind of balanced views. The people who voted for Mr. Trump, it was not primarily because of health care issues. It was because they were unsatisfied with the Republican establishment, you know, with, with the sitting Republican congressman 
who, this is again what I'm hearing on TV, who had done nothing for the last two or three years. They were, you know, blocking everything that President Obama wanted to do. So they were unhappy with the stalemate, stalemate in Congress, which is generally speaking with Republicans. And they were unhappy then on the Democratic side. They were very unhappy that unemployment um, was kind of at, you know, was going up or not, not going down fast enough. They were, that wage increases were stalemated. Uh, people were losing their jobs because a lot of jobs were going overseas. So they, they didn't like either side. They didn't like Republicans because how it affected non-health care issues in their life. Republicans were doing nothing. They didn't like the Democrats because what was happening with jobs overseas and wage stalemates. So they saw Mr. Trump as almost like a third party because he wasn't a true Republican in his views and he wasn't a true Democrat. He was like this third anomaly. And they figured this third kind of entity is going to bring the change we want in our daily lives. And now that they got that change, now they're kind of swallowing hard and saying, oh, what does it mean to health care now? Does that make sense to you? It does. No, you're wonderful. I'm so glad you're on the show. I, I, I feel like most, pe- most people don't get involved in their health coverage until something major happens, like a diagnosis with diabetes or something even uh, a complication like a stroke. You know, And then they start looking at these plans and getting much more involved. And usually you tap out immediately because you're already in a sensitive, uh, vulnerable stage, and it, it, it's overwhelming. So, you know, I, I, I love that we're talking about it, and I love the information you're giving, and I love the um, positive spin on it. By no, sides are we, uh, by no means are we taking sides on this podcast. We're just kind of showing people what might be ahead, because when you could talk about it now, when nothing's happening in your life, and you could absorb it and do a little bit more research, then you're ready if something happens to you or a loved one to kind of respond in a very proactive way, in a more informed way. And part of this year is about being less opinionated and more informed about these things that are meaningful in your life, especially your health care. So I, I do really appreciate what you're telling everyone. Tell us one more good thing you think um, could come about this, and then I want to talk to you about Alicia Keys' makeup-free movement and how sure. clean eating might be a part of it. Yeah. Real quick, um, what Mr. Trump has endorsed, without giving us any details, is that he want to change. He wants to change the tax code to allow people like us who have Obamacare or Trump Care to deduct our health insurance premiums off of our taxes. That would be something new, and then to, and that would be good for us to deduct our premiums from our taxes, and then to allow insurance plans to be sold across state lines, and that's going to mean more competition with the health plans, and that means lower costs for us. That would be wonderful. He has endorsed price transparency for medical procedures and health care um, Events so that we all know what we're paying, and there's no big surprise at the end when we have to make discretionary decisions about what we want to get in healthcare. And then he wants to in- expand access to health savings accounts that are tax-free. So if I put, if I'm an employee at like Texas Instruments and I want to put money into my health savings account, that's tax-free. I don't pay any taxes on that, and it sits there to pay for my health-related costs. And then he wants to expand Medicaid with block grants, which is going to make it more accessible to people. 
and then allow prescription medications to be imported from foreign countries into the United States. And allowing that is going to drop the price of drugs across the board. So these are all very nice, wonderful, optimistic things that he has endorsed. So I, it's a lot of it is good news, and we have to focus on the good news. I agree. We definitely do. And Alicia Keys is focusing on her lovely complexion. She has this whole makeup-free movement going on uh, that you heard me talking about earlier. And if you think about makeup-free when you're living with diabetes, you think about clean eating. You know, from diet books and recipes to your Instagram feed, I have one. I don't know about you, Marianne. Clean eating trend seems to be every everywhere lately, but I certainly don't know what it means. So, can you tell us, I know you're a registered dietitian and a certified diabetes educator, what is clean eating about or eating clean and, and how could it impact our diabetes? Okay, that's. I'm so glad you asked me that, Max. You're asking the perfect questions. Clean eating, first of all, what it's not. It's not a fad diet and it's not about washing your fruits and vegetables to make them clean. It, it's, a, it's not a fad diet. It's a way of um, selecting the foods you eat um, so that they're healthier. And there's three premises or three components of clean eating that most people agree with. There's not a lot of evidence. Um, it's, this is not like like rocket, how do you want to say this, like, like medicine, like surgery. This is kind of the synopsis. The three components is limiting or avoiding processed and refined foods like potato chips and candy and um, donuts, um, eating more whole foods, so instead of applesauce or apple pie, we eat a whole apple. We eat whole grain breads instead of white bread. Um, we eat a fresh avocado rather than guacamole with all kinds of additives like sour cream. Um, so avoiding processed foods, refined foods, eating more whole foods. And the third component is focusing more on plant-based foods. Now, how does that affect diabetes? When um, our blood sugar, our blood cholesterol, and our blood pressure, the three things we want to control when we have diabetes, when we avoid processed foods, we're avoiding a lot of sugar and sodium. And Max, tell me if I'm wrong. Isn't that a good thing to avoid if you Absolutely. have diabetes? Absolutely. 100%. Absolutely. We, know, we all know that processed food has a lot of salt and sugar. So think of, I don't want to name brand names, but think of chips you know, snack chips and um, sweet kind of snacky things. Um, the second thing, whole foods, that's the second component of clean eating. Whole grain bread, seven grain bread, that's more fiber. And whenever we get more fiber, and the, the whole grain bread is just an example, fiber helps to control blood sugar and it helps to bring down blood cholesterol and it helps to fill us up without a whole lot without any calories when you have high when you've got a lot of fiber in your breads and cereals and crackers. And the same thing we talk about whole foods, an apple instead of applesauce, an apple instead of apple juice. We have less calories, we have more fiber, and that's what we want. And again, that's wonderful for blood sugar and weight and cholesterol. And that third component focusing more on plant based foods um, like fruits and vegetables and nuts and seeds and healthy fats, olives, olive oil, avocado. Um, if you focus on plant-based foods, they're so full of vitamins and minerals and fiber 
and nutraceuticals. They're just wonderful for health and well-being and blood sugar and cholesterol and hypertension. But also the flip side of that is to make animal products then more of a side dish. So when we think about animal products like meat and cheese and dairy, think of that as a side dish at your meal. And so what should make up most of your dinner plate is plant-based foods, whole grains, fruits, and vegetables, and then animal foods that are lower in fat and make it only about the size of the palm of your hand, which is really a side dish when you think about it. How come major restaurants don't follow that? <laughs> guideline. Oh, you know what? That's that's a really good question. I I can guess at the answer. Um, when they put a slab of steak on your plate, and I just went out to eat Saturday with my husband, and he ordered a steak, and the steak was three fourths of the plate. You know, and guess what? The charge was forty five dollars. So whenever you, I think the answer is Max. When when you serve a huge hunk of steak or lamb or pork or what chicken, you just get this huge amount, the restaurant can charge more. You know, I mean, people will pay $45 sometime for that huge piece of steak, but they won't pay that for fruits and vegetables and whole grains, right? Absolutely. So I think I there's mean, a financial... Think, you know, it's, it's contradictory to what you're saying. You know, like I could, I could, I mean, I guess the idea would be, and I, I'm curious to know what your feeling is on this, is like practice this at home. You know, make this make what the guidelines you're suggesting uh, something that you put into your daily life. And then if you go to a restaurant and they're kind of counterintuitive to what you're trying to do, uh, maybe you would go along with it, but then get back on track with what you're trying to do again. Because that is hard when you you know you have you know you're looking at the plate in a different way. Like you said, you're looking at the protein as a side dish, and then suddenly. I went out to the, uh, eat the other night, and the pork chop was half the plate, like you said, and the spinach was uh, not even an eighth of what was on that plate. Right. It's like maybe a couple tablespoons of spinach. So I'm glad yeah. you brought up that spinach. I could reach out and kiss you for saying that because this one Italian restaurant we go to, what I order, because I, I don't have diabetes, but I've battled cancer twice, so I'm always trying to eat more of this whole food, unprocessed, clean way of eating. So for my protein, I order the three meatballs, which is an appetizer portion. That's my protein. And then I order a side dish of spinach. You know how they have these side dishes and they charge extra for it? So when I get the side dish of spinach, I get a huge bowl of spinach. And then they put olive oil on it. So three-fourths of my dinner then is spinach and whole grain bread and my two little meatballs that were an appetizer portion. But if I get this humongous pork chop or humongous steak, I immediately cut it in fourths or thirds and take three-fourths or two-thirds of it home in a take-home box. And I say to my husband and I, we're going to pay once and eat two or three times. I love that. I think that's great advice. Well, you're going to stick around and give us some weight loss tips at the end of the show, Marianne, but what a thrill to have you on, and I think um, fantastic information about uh, Obamacare, what could be happening, and then also what it means to clean, uh, eat clean, and I like what you said about washing your vegetables. <laughs> Thank you for being well, on yeah, the show. We'll, we'll talk to you a little bit later. still important, but it doesn't really define what they mean by clean eating. Yeah, still important, though. <laughs> 
All right, well, Alicia Keys is the second female artist on a solo performance to win five Grammy Awards in one night. She did in 2002 at the Grammy Awards. Lauren Hill was the first woman to achieve that feat in 1999. Here's another sample from Work On It by Alicia Keys, courtesy of Sony Music. Let's listen. trying to accomplish your New Year's resolution. Just one more day, work on it, and it will lead you to the next. All right, coming up, we're going to announce our instant winner. But first, joining me now for our discussion is the wonderful Patricia Addy Gentle. Hi, Patricia. Hi, Max. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. When we left you in December, you had uh, done a lot of research about the price of insulin, and I don't know if you heard uh, Marianne and I talking about it. Uh, what could be ahead is that generic insulin in the future. But I was curious because I, I know you, over the holidays, you were doing some more research. What you found out about the price of insulin? Well, the, the information that I gave uh, back in December is still uh, pretty much the same as what I am seeing right now, that the insulin prices are pretty stable. However, what I did discover is insurance companies are not paying as much. So most patients, if they are insured, are paying out of pocket. So it seems that the hype is due um, in part um, probably in whole because Patients are paying more out-of-pocket, and they're experiencing higher cost in insulin. Um, like I say, the, the program that I work for, we pay the entire cost. And so we have seen our cost go down. The price per month is, is less each month because the cost of insulin from uh, 2014 until now the price has decreased. It's decreased almost like $50 a vial. And so the wow. overall cost is in, is decreasing. However, insurance co-payments are increasing. Interesting. You think they're, they're, uh, the insurance companies are getting nervous about what's ahead? That might well be the reason, and, and that's what I speculate. I can't say for sure, but... Uh, it seems that insurance companies are not paying as much as they once did pay. I'll tell you the interesting thing is health care is not a sexy topic, and yet because of the election and everything going on, it is on everyone's radar. It seems like more and more people are talking about it. It's kind of exciting from the standpoint of, like, people are really getting much uh, more involved and engaged in their health care, and, you know, ever since we started diabetic, we've been encouraging people to become health advocates. So it is it is kind of um, a nice part uh, of, what's the word I'm looking for? Just a, it's, a, it's a nice outcome from what's going on in some ways, right, to see people become a little bit more involved. Are you seeing in your patient population that people 
are more engaged in those conversations and wanting to learn and hear more about it and, and discuss different options? Most definitely. The consumers are becoming more aware. Um, they have a more hands-on approach towards managing their care because um, it's hitting us in the pocket more than ever. Twenty years ago, um, you know, it, it was easy to have a procedure that there was no out-of-pocket co- out cost. And now the same procedure, I'm not sure uh, the cost of the procedure overall, if that has increased, I'm sure it probably has, but the out-of-pocket expense definitely has increased. Nice. All right. And in well, a way, because, the, I'm sorry. Go I was going to say, in a way, consumers are getting less care. So it does cause the consumer to, in order to um, kind of offset that cost, it's like they don't go to doctors. When they do go to doctors, they don't do what's recommended. Hmm. Well, one of those things uh, that I want to talk about tonight, we've been talking about food and weight loss, but uh, Marianne tipped on it about um, food safety, because you are a registered nurse as well as a certified diabetes educator. Um, and tonight I just wanted to concentrate on food safety because it seems like more and more people get these airborne um, food allergies or illnesses that can and many times be avoided. And I thought it was kind of uh, a nice way to kick off the year for people to be a little bit more mindful of how they're preparing food and the, and the precautions they could take to avoid those infections and illnesses that could lead you right into the emergency room. Absolutely, and there are uh, several precautions that um, should be taken into consideration when you're handling food, and some of those steps would include the handling of it, the cooking of it, and the storage. Those are really uh, important in order to prevent foodborne illnesses. So you really can't taste, you can't see, and you can't smell uh, harmful bacteria, and these bacteria can cause many illnesses. So in every step of food preparation, we need to be clean. So first of all, we have to think about washing the hands and washing the surfaces of wherever the food is being prepared. Make sure that everything is clean uh, during that preparation phase. And you want to separate various meats and your ingredients to keep from cross-contamination. And then you want to cook Make sure that you're cooking at the right temperature. You want to make sure that all bacteria is is killed during that process. And once the food is considered um, ready to be consumed, you want to chill or refrigerate whatever is left over. Right. All right. Well, we're going to have some fun. Uh, you said you'd help me out and do it in a fun way because you know I love to play games and talk about some surprising facts and misconceptions about food safety. So I got sent these questions. True or false, I guess I'm the one answering. Uh, You could drink milk past the date on the carton. Really? Oh, God, I would say that's false. (laughs) Well, Max, it's actually true because the date that you see on the carton is really meant to be the sell-by date. It's not an expiration date. It's, it's the date that um, it should be it should be sold, but not the date that it should be used. And so it does stay fresh past that date that you see on the carton, as long as it's stored properly, and um, you know that, that you have it between 38 to 40 degrees. Hmm, all right. 
Okay, so in order to properly wash hands before or after handling food, exactly what is the minimum amount of time you should wash hands under running water? Is it 10 seconds, 20 seconds, or one minute? Um, I don't think it's 10 seconds, although I think that's what most people do. I can't imagine it's one minute, so I'm going to say 20 seconds. I and still Max, think that's more than most people wash their hands, though. 20 seconds is a lot longer than I think you see people wash their hands before they prepare food. You're probably right. Most people are not doing it for 20 seconds, but that is the recommendation, that you wet your hands with and uh, with water, running water. It can be warm or cold, and then you turn the tap off, apply your soap, lather the hands by rubbing them together with soap, be sure that you lather the back of the hands between your fingers and under the fingernails. Scrub the hands at least 20 seconds. One minute wow. probably won't hurt, but 20 seconds is the recommendation. All right. And how long can you leave leftovers out? Is it one hour, two hours, or three hours? I, would, I personally think this would depend on the outdoor temperature because one hour in the heat would probably be way too long. But I would say one hour is probably as long as you should leave it out, although I'm – well, that seems kind of crazy because people put things out at a – maybe it's two hours. I'll, all right, I'll go with two hours. Okay, you're doing really well. It's two hours. You don't have to rush right away from the dinner table to put your leftovers in the refrigerator, but you don't want to wait too long. So you store them within two hours of cooking. And any food that's served outdoors in hot weather, however, needs to go into a cooler with ice within an hour. And throw away anything that has been left out longer than that. All right, here's our last question before we get into the instant winter challenge. Um, the best way to thaw frozen food is in a cold water bath, on the counter, or in the refrigerator. My dad puts it in a cold water bath, so I'm going to say a cold water bath. <laughs> okay. Well, the best way is in the refrigerator. Sorry, Dad. It is? <laughs> It is. One of the riskiest things that you can do when you're cooking is to thaw or marinate food on the countertop, of course, but um, you want, and bacteria does grow quickly at room temperature, so the safest way is to store, is to uh, put it in the refrigerator, take it out of the freezer, place it into the refrigerator, and let it thaw there. Make sure that you place a, a plate or something underneath that can catch any leaky juices, but um, preparing it, I mean, uh, thawing it inside the refrigerator is your best way. Just got to allow for pl plenty of time and planning to do that. Cause I Absolutely. Think most of us don't, it would take don't usually allow about enough time a day. To do that. Yeah, That's maybe about a day. You should be ready the, the next counter. day. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. Well, if we're getting ready if for you're in a hurry, you can thaw people, it in the cold uh, water. Oh, um, we have a lot of people in our instant challenge, but first we're going to play a song and then we'll reveal – who the winner of our instant challenge is this month. Singer-songwriter Alicia Keys is one of the judges on America's TV show, The Voice, for season 11, along with Miley Cyrus, Adam Levine, and Blake Shelton. My mother loves Blake Shelton. Let's hear another song called More Than We Know from Alicia Keys, courtesy of Sony Music. If there was Baby, we can do 
how much you know. Welcome back to Diabetes Late Night. I'm with Patricia Addy Gentle, one of the Charlie's Angels of Outreach, and we're getting ready to reveal our instant winner for this month in January. Earlier, uh, two weeks ago, I posted a game on our Divabetic Facebook page, Tumblr, Pinterest, and Twitter feeds, and over 100 of you responded with the correct answer, which qualifies you for the random drawing. Patricia, pick a number from 1 to 100. Uh, let's say 55. 55. April Hansen could be our instant winner tonight. All right, so the question we posted on Facebook and everything else was, and we had it on divabetic.org, by the way, um, true or false, freezing food kills harmful bacteria that can cause food poisoning. Um, most people got this right, Patricia. What is the answer? Um, freezing food, we do know that there is some um, bacteria that can survive cold temperatures. And so freezing food is not a method for making food safe to eat. When your food is thawed, the bacteria can still be present and it began to uh, cause some problems. That bacteria wow. can grow and multiply. And when you so no and when you and if you if it does have bacteria and you eat it, that's when you start to have these airborne illnesses and things like that. And uh, tell us a little bit about that, like how people treat that before I reveal um, April Hansen's uh, prize package. Um, most of what we see in food poisoning is caused by the um, Campylobacteria, which is the most common cause of diarrhea illness in the United States. This diarrhea can be bloody, it can be accompanied by nausea and vomiting, and the illness typically lasts about one week. Uh, some people are infected and do, do not have any symptoms, and others can become pretty ill. Almost all people who are infected with this will re recover without any specific treatment, but fluids are very important because of the diarrhea and risk of dehydration. So you definitely want to have extra fluids if this is a problem that you're ever experiencing. If you have uh, diabetes, How does of that course, affect someone with diabetes? Because I would think that de dehydration would be a bigger issue for someone living with type 1 or type 2 diabetes. Absolutely. If you have diabetes, you're going to notice some increase in blood sugars with that dehydration. So fluids are very essential. And if the diarrhea lasts for any period of time, you should probably see a doctor. Drinking fluids may not be enough. You might need some uh, intravenous fluid. So um, make sure that you do see a doctor in that case because high blood sugars over a long period of time, as you know, can cause lots of problems. Absolutely. Great advice, Patricia. And April Hansen for playing our Divabetic game tonight and helping us raise awareness in a fun new way. You will receive six months free access to MySugar. MySugar could help you control your blood sugar levels, monitor your carbs, track your insulin use, and avoid hypers and hypos to make your diabetes more manageable. Plus, you'll receive a new Naturals gift basket filled with diabetic-safe, low-glycemic, tooth-friendly sweet sweeteners, a cabbage cheese gift basket filled with an assortment of delicious low-fat cheeses, and Dr. Greenfield's diabetic foot hand and body lotions, which are specifically designed for people with diabetes with sensitive and delicate skin. 
All right. That was fun, Patricia. Thank you so much. For her photo shoot for the single In Common, which she, uh, which we played at the top of the show, Alicia, Cle- Alicia Keys, wow, uh, <laughs> turned up wearing just a sweatshirt and a scarf. Can you believe that? And the photographer said uh, she was very impressed and said, let's pose without the makeup. And the trend started right there, everybody. Imagine what would happen tomorrow if you walked out of your house fresh-faced. Maybe you would inspire a lot of other people to have a fresh, clean approach to 2017. Let's hear another song called Holy War by Alicia Keys. Keys with an inspiring message to kick off your new year. Welcome back to January's Diaries Late Night. Please welcome Mama Rosemarie to the show. Hi, Mom. Hi, and Mr. Diva Battle. Happy birthday. I, I know you celebrated a birthday just a little bit a week ago. Yes, I did, and thank you for celebrating with me. It was wonderful having you here and going out for my birthday. I appreciated that. Did you make any New Year's resolutions? <laughs> well, if I made them, I probably already broke them. Um, no, I didn't make any this year. I, but I probably have plenty to make. But I'm going to do a better job of being Mama Rosemarie on your show. Well, you know, and you'll have that opportunity again in September because – this year for our um, Dibes Mystery, we're going to the Mermaid Parade in Coney Island. Oh, that sounds exciting. I just read a book about Coney Island, so I'm really interested in that. Uh, what, what's something interesting you learned about Coney Island before you share your tip with us? Well, um, it, it was back in the uh, 1920s or even maybe 1910 or in that era. Anyhow, um, when Coney Island first started, they called it Dreamland Park, and they had a big fire, uh, which devastated everybody and everything there. And in this Coney Island Park, Dreamland Park, they had, um, it was almost like a circus. So they had these wild animals, and at the fire, the animals got pretty scared and ran out and it was pretty tough for the people who lived around that area so it was just an interesting um, fact that I learned that I had not known that Coney Island was called Dreamland Park before that I think that's really interesting I hope people get involved with this on this on our annual Diabetes Mystery it's our third it will be our fourth one first year was Pink Panther second one was the um Phantom of the Okra, the third one was last year when it was Suspect Boulevard, and we'll reveal the title and more information about the story in the coming months. And, of course, Mama Rosemary, you'll be a part of the mayhem and the murder and the mystery 
at this year's Mermaid Parade. Now, um, share your tip for us for January. Yes, here is my tip. Well, as we all know, winter is a special month for celebration, but it should also be a time for added caution, especially if you or someone in your family is an older adult. Since slips and falls are so prevalent on icy streets and also snowy sidewalks and even other dangers, it may occur other dangers that may occur. You should be especially that are especially harmful for you. We really should make sure to outfit everyone and yourself for safe walking. Use a cane or even a pair of walking poles to help with the balance. Make sure that they're right size for you. You could try that at any drugstore. They'll be glad to make sure that you're carrying the right cane for the height that you need or the walking stick. So that is my uh, tip for this month, and I hope everybody stays safe and enjoys the winter. And ciao for now. And we should just tell everyone, it's slippery everywhere. There's a lot of ice down in South Carolina and snow in Atlanta, so you can never be too sure what the weather's like outside right now. Right. We were being warned quite a bit last weekend about the black ice. That's what you really have to be careful for. But as we said, sidewalks it could be also very slippery, so people should be very cautious during this time of the year. I agree. Well, thanks for being on the show, and enjoy your Welcome. evening. All right. Uh, listeners, we're going to go back to Marianne and get some great weight loss tips before we close the show. Hi, uh, welcome back, Marianne. Hi, I'm here. I've been listening to your, um, excuse me, your wonderful mother and your other two guests. Uh, very intriguing. I loved every minute of it. Great. Thank you so much. So, if people yeah. want to lose weight, what do you recommend? Okay. Well, first of all, this is. I'm going to start with a statement. And this is called shameless self-promotion. Um, I, throughout my 35 years of being a registered dietitian uh, and nutrition coach and all kinds of positions, I have numerous tips for successful weight loss that are all evidence-based. Um, I'm looking at my sheet here, Max, and your guests, and there's probably 25 of them. And I have them in fun acronyms like Shed the Pounds, Tips and Tricks, Tips that work best with every letter standing for an evidence, evidence-based weight loss tip. So for the time allotted today, I want to go over a couple of them, but maybe I could come back on your show and we could review them uh, throughout the year because I have a lot of them. Does that I sound like so. a plan? That's great. All right. So hit us with what yeah. do you think would be the way to kick off a fresh start this year. Oh, here we go. This is, this is one of my favorites because I think it applies to everyone who's listening and then some is we have to identify and control our eating triggers. Identify and control our eating triggers. Trigger moods, trigger foods, and trigger situations. So what are the trigger moods, foods, and situations that trigger us to, one, overeat, two, eat unhealthy foods, or three, eat when we're not hungry? Think about that. Trigger Mm -hmm. foods moods and situations that trigger us to overeat, eat the wrong type of foods like highly processed chips and sweets and a pint of ice cream, or eat when we're not hungry. And you know what? I bet you if you asked everyone in the world if they have numerous triggers in each of those categories, foods, moods, and situations, 
if they were honest with themselves, they'd say, yes, I have them. So we have to identify them and then come up with trigger control strategies. How are we going to control those triggers? But we first have to identify them. Do you agree with me, Max? Absolutely. I feel like um, I know when when I get stressed, I love to reach for a crunchy, salty pretzel, which would be the mood and the food. Well, there you go. I mean, we all have them, right? Um, I like when I Okay, now see, so you're saying when you're stressed, you reach for a certain type of food. When I'm stressed, I can't eat at all. I mean, I would actually get sick if I tried to eat, but that's how different we are. So what do I reach for? A big glass of wine. Now, you know, an 8-ounce pour of wine could be up to three, 400 calories, right? Um, and that's not good, especially if I have diabetes and I have um, high blood pressure I, or I make myself a triple shot of vodka, you know, or whatever. We don't want anybody, like sometimes parties are a trigger situation for a lot of people or going to a movie theater, you know, uh, or going to a buffet restaurant. So, well, I think that's um, so interesting, too, from the standpoint of, uh, if you're newly diagnosed, and we're just going to talk in general terms right now, and they give you right. a quote-unquote list of foods you should eat, and just what, and they don't relate to your mood or your your foods or your mood choices, then it seems if someone's not having that conversation with me like you are, like is you know, are your trigger foods on this list? Because if if they are or they aren't, I would still think I would want to reach for them, and I would need to have a strategy for that because it. From what I've seen in my lifetime working in diabetes education, a lot of people come in with good intentions, with, like we said at the top of the show, and then they kind of walk out without them very quickly because they just can't manage. And one of the things I think you're identifying, and I could be wrong, you could tell me if I am or not, is this idea of just kind of, you know, why are you eating that? It's also not, it's just not what you're eating, it's why you're eating it as well. Those are two really important uh those two things go You're, together. You know what, Max, you hit the nail on the head. You sound, you sound like a dietitian. What I like to actually reword what you just said, but you said it perfectly, it's not what you're eating, it's what's eating you. Yeah. Think about that. But then we also have those trigger situations. So let me give you an example of myself about trigger foods, moods, and situations, and one of my trigger control strategies. When I'm stressed, I cannot eat, but when I'm sad... That's a mood, right? When I'm very sad about something, um, then I do want to eat chocolate. And, I mean, I could eat a whole layer of a box of chocolates, like, and nothing flat. And so, and I get sad, you know, because I have family members and things happen and whatever. So my trigger control strategy for that is I found these um, little individual 100-calorie packs of chocolate-covered frozen pineapple tidbits Dole makes them, the company Pineapple Dole, and they're called um, chocolate-covered fruit dippers kind of thing. And one little pack I think is only 80 calories, and I keep mine in the freezer. And so I've got my fresh pineapple, little pieces of pineapple for fiber and vitamins and minerals, and they just have a thin layer of chocolate on it. And it's only 80 calories for like the six little pieces in the pack. So I'm getting my chocolate fix when I'm sad, but I'm getting fiber and vitamins and nutrients, and I'm not eating a whole layer of chocolates in a box. So that's what I've come up with for my trigger control strategy when I get sad. I love it. 
Now, that's a great tip. So um, we'll definitely have to have you back on, Marianne, to talk more about this in the coming months because, like you heard me say also, we're trying to embrace the holidays in a happy way this year and a healthy way and kind of rather than deny ourselves or deprive ourselves, kind of find other reasons to celebrate outside of just what you're saying, maybe those indulgences, and, and you could come back and help us strategize how we'll work through um, St. Patrick's Day or some of the other big holidays coming up this year. Oh, I can help your audience. I, w- I would love to come back anytime because I've got these great tips and practical examples that your audience would love. I'd be very excited to share that with you. Well, we'd love to have you back. All right, everybody, we're going to wrap it up a little bit early tonight. I want to thank all my guests and especially thank you for listening for the last six and a half years. Wow, I can't believe we're going to be hitting a big milestone this year. Please subscribe to our DivaBag e-newsletter at divabag.org. Visit our DivaBag Facebook pages and, and watch my videos on Mr. DivaBag's YouTube channel. Plus, I'll be posting more information about all these guests on our Facebook pages and our website, divabag.org. Remember, every diva and every dude has an entourage, and I'm so glad to be part of yours. Let's stay happy and healthy together in 2017. We're going to close the show with one more song from singer-songwriter Alicia Keys. has a new album out called Here. Check it out. Here's Hallelujah. Have a great night, everybody. There's a hole in my heart I've been hiding. I've been strong for so long that I'm blind. Is there a place I can go where the lonely river flows with fear ends and faith begins hallelujah hallelujah let me in i've been praying but i'm paying for my sins won't you give Disappear, please protect me from my.